Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burning to my knees, to my knees I fell. Met a ghost of a king on the road. Welcome back to SASS. This is episode 80-something we're, we're on our... ticking toward 90. Yeah, inching toward 90. And without counting, how are we going to know when it's 90? Well, we won't, I think. I think okay. counting is required in order to know. We call this, uh, we're going to have a big party for episode XCE, yeah. as the Romans we call will. it. We will. We'll podcast. have a big party. I'll check. The way the, the ancient Romans numbered podcast was, <laughs> was the better way. That's dumb, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> dumb Latin joke to start <laughs> off the day. Okay. Uh, okay. A couple questions. First from Andrew, one of your fans, wants to know how uh, Sam's snakes would have shed. How they would have shed? Would it have shed like the entire, his skin comes off too. Just a little bit of snake peeling. Anyways, he's-, he's I the, like it. He has a very specific herpetological question. I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and I, I like the idea of, of Sam shedding uh, whole sleeves. Uh, realistically, I think it would be more lizard-like. Yeah, piece at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Where they'd be, you'd be peeling off their backs and- and it would go awfully quickly because, of course, Sam would be able to pick at it oh, yeah, like a way boy. Faster. And just Snakes peel, don't and have just, fingers. Yeah, and just peel <laughs> off that, that gray layer. Uh, the real question is, would it itch for Sam or just for Speck and Cindy? Would they be grinding on rocks while he was asleep or would he be feeling scratchy and just and peeling, off and peeling it off? And Used I kind of like both of those things. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and say both. Nice. But the sleeves, while they would be a great visual, I think are not, in fact, the yeah. way it would So we're, we're not going to just like peel yeah. a hole, yeah. like skinning a rabbit. It is really funny. I, and this is a, an excursus. And I have, a, I have a couple things to hit. I don't know. You said, do you have any other questions for people? That's, that's a good one. Andrew yeah. had a mean one about whether Silent Bell's book four or your daughter's novel would be published first. But <laughs> I, decided, I decided not to, <laughs> 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 decided not to ask that. That's a, that's a good question, too. <laughs> Um, yeah, hard to say, Andrew. I think it's funny to me. Uh, well, first, so I'm going to run through a couple things. One is first off, a bunch of people listened to our episode in which I ranted about sticker gate talked about sticker gate mm -hmm. and we got a bunch of legal donations to the fund. So I just want to thank everybody who did that. Thank you very much. Way to go team. Those bullets are shipped off to the front and much appreciated. So I've got That's, so many requests to restock the stickers so people can contribute yeah. that way. So. Fantastic. I, uh, we weren't planning like a fundraising episode. We just kind of ro rolled into that uh, as we occasionally do. And uh, it was very much appreciated. We're very, very grateful to all of you who donated to the legal fund. Um, the defense continues and further updates as events warrant. Uh, the second update is I tried to show my children rings of power <laughs> because i don't know the word of uh, my friend boss rootin once told me something awful uh boss rootin dutchman uh xmma hilarious hilarious fighter mma fighter heavyweight fighter joy to be around uh amazing amazing guy stone cold killer slash jovial he's probably the closest thing to you know a grizzly bear you'll ever know in a human being he is a great character in mercy rule yeah. i remember so him. he's very very happy jolly joyful fun um but you get the feeling that he could kill you in any given five seconds but uh or anyone 
But Boss told me something horrible, and I think it was on the set of River Thief, actually. And I don't even remember what it was, but he, he I don't even want to try to remember what it was. But he had some horrible tale. And I was like, Boss, why, why? And he whipped out some Dutch word <laughs> and a Dutch phrase or Dutch word, I can't tell, and told me that it's the uh basically it means that an, a horrible thing is lighter shared across multiple people. So you <laughs> like when you know something awful, the reason why you need to share it is because once two people know it's it's you know it's a share the load thing. Yeah, it is from the and, original Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Movies. So anyway, all this to say is I needed to show my kids Rings of Power because Brian made me watch five minutes of it, and so while we were waiting uh, for one of the siblings to come downstairs to watch something else. Uh, we lost actually we're still chipping away through episodes of lost i threw on the beginning of rings of power and my three daughters 12 18 and 19 sat there stunned just <laughs> just <laughs> profoundly stunned in a uh at all levels begging it to stop from the 12 the 18 and 19 year old my 19 year old had had a screenwriting class at a state university that she'd picked up on the side last year and her comment was, this is worse than what any of my classmates in a freshman screenwriting course would have done at a state agricultural school. <laughs> like, at college, yeah. It was just like overstated theme, overstated theme, overstated that, theme. Man, and the, also, the but like so long. But even that, like overstated theme in a, is this even the theme kind of way? Or are you just trying to sound deep? Well, because they whispered the key part. Yeah, well, the, uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> But it the would have been whole, worse like, if they the said the rock sinks, the ship looks up yeah. to the light. But how do I know which way is up? <laughs> and then I, I know he said you look inside your heart, but he, that's mm. we'll have to wait. What you do is you look down again <laughs> inside it, down your own throat. Right. But he didn't say that out <laughs> Get loud. Get a mirror. So you'll have to wait till episode whenever when I find out that is what in fact. Get a mirror and said. an iPhone light and look down your throat at your at your own heart. Anyway. Uh, I shared the evil and I don't remember the Dutch phrase or the Dutch word. Anybody who knows Dutch can tell me. Please let us know. I mean, there's always a possibility that Boz was just lying to me too. Oh, that yeah. there is no Dutch phrase or Dutch word for such a thing. But. I also tried to share the evil with Christy and <laughs> she fell asleep like that. Boom. It was just. Defense, defense mechanism. Yep. Like a fainting goat. <laughs> she was just out. Christy said, I didn't, I wasn't excited about this or interested in this and you're making me watch it. And you and said, then, Ephesians 5. <laughs> and then she fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom. Yeah. The Apostle Paul says, and she's like. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so there's response. <laughs> so there's that. There's, yeah, I shared the evil with my kids. Um, and then I also, um, and incidentally, my kids are also catching on to the gimmick of Lost of like constantly positing new mysteries and layers. And like, but it, does this onion have a center? Mm-hmm. Or is it just just layers is it just down. more rings um but we're still in the first season and they're still enjoying it uh well do you want to address all the people who are going to say you really had to watch the whole first episode i mean they're going to say it even though we talked about that uh, i'll i'll just say heavy sigh <laughs> that's so. nate at his saddest most patronizing <laughs> no it's not patronizing it's empathetic uh, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what empathy means? Yeah, they see you jump into the quicksand with the people. I'm pretty sure that's what empathy means, is heavy sigh, right? Yeah. When people say things I don't like. When someone shares something awful with you. I heavy sigh, and I call that empathy. <laughs> um, so if somebody says, 
Here is a bucket of clam linguine from a recent startup down by the interstate. You know, there's this little restaurant trying to make it and I have to taste it. And I know you really have to taste this. You really, really, no, you really have to taste I this. I brought the spoon and the bucket. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to taste this clam, clam linguine because Brian surprised me in a podcast. Otherwise I wouldn't have even done that. And I taste it. And for five straight minutes, I eat that clam linguine. I'm pretty sure I don't have to finish the bucket. Mm. You know, and everybody could say, but what if it gets better half an inch further in to this bucket or two inches further into this bucket? And I say to you all, what if? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to. Okay. Gotcha. Um, That's good. I like it. Metaphor is the the last defense of the author. Yeah, last, yeah, the last recourse. <laughs> there are plenty. I will say though, there are plenty of shows where people will say, "Hey, the pilot struggles, or it picks up after you know, watch this film. It picks up here, there, or you know, the Alien franchise. Which movie's best in the Alien franchise?" Um, I don't really want to show my kids the whole Alien franchise, but I do want to show them Aliens at some point. Is which, that number two? Yeah. So I kind of want to show them Alien. In order to get to aliens. Yeah. Uh, and it's not like alien is terribly made, but I, I want them to see aliens specifically for particular scenes at uh, the older ones. And it'll have to be kind of a, a unique situation because none of them are interested. They don't, they're not like goo, goopy monster fans. <laughs> um, Which by the way, Lord of the Rings directors, Peter Jackson was a goopy yeah, monster Yeah, very fan. much a goopy monster fan. Um, then to, to jump from here, so I, I told you that I shared the evil with my daughter. Um, and then my daughters, plural, all three of them. Um, one of whom just looked at it in stunned silence. One of whom said, what is going on and what does it mean? Like what is, and the eldest who said, this is worse than anything written by any of my classmates. But the ag school, University of Idaho, if we're being specific, <laughs> where she took a screenwriting class. Um, yeah, go, so I, I did, I did that. I also thanked all y'all who, uh, contributed to the legal defense fund. I'm really, really grateful to you. And then I'll say to Andrew's point about silent bells, hmm. this whole endeavor, I'm actually more grateful than ever for the model. So Ashtown, for those of you who are listeners to this podcast now, but are, are, they don't know the whole backstory. I'm not going to get into all of it, but there's a trilogy and then very through various political drama. Oh, explained in earlier episodes. Yeah, various political drama. Book four was canceled. Fans were were tragically sad. Uh, I moved on and had to make a living. And you know, trying to circle back, I, I had fans who were stranded in this series and uh, really, really wanted it to be completed. And I heard from them all the time. And I really wanted to complete the series as well. So I came up with the idea of uh, publishing it chapter at a time in a newspaper format and mailing it out. And, and it's a rough draft. So this is like, as it's written, I will, I will throw my dignity in the ditch and I will let you, I will let you come into the kitchen with me while I'm, you know, making a mess and like, I mean, that, that's how I pushed it. And it was like, okay, you're going to come into the kitchen and this is, you know, Welcome to the writer's life. And I'm going to release the rough draft uh, in installments. 
And in that, um, like that format, like I'll charge you when I have a chapter and when it prints and when it mails and I'll mail you a physical copy in a newspaper. I wanted it to be kind of like old school and, and thousands of people signed up and I was extremely grateful and started going and I got 15 chapters in and my gallbladder exploded. <laughs> I started to laugh. I forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. And so I ended up in emergency surgery. And uh, this is about a year ago. And I had, I, I, my, I was desperate to try to finish the manuscript last year. Um, at least the, you know, the rough draft, but you know, I was, I was all ex also all excited because I had this housing disaster and we've talked about house construction, but I was putting siding on my own new home and like tearing siding off and fixing siding. And I was all excited because I finally was like, ah, the sun is shining. I have time. Uh, and God said, don't do this. Um, as I pulled a ladder from one gable, I finished exactly one gable um, in this lovely week and then moved the ladder. And as I got to the other side, I was like, oh man, I feel dizzy. And I go, what's this pain? <laughs> like, uh, and it, it turned into like incapacity, you know, in total incapacitation and went into emergency gallbladder surgery. And I also had this impending, uh, overall film deal with a with a studio coming and i knew i did and it was starting november 1st so this was about a year ago and november 1st was like oh garbage you know there's all this writing coming uh huge amounts of writing coming at me and i had this window in which to try to finish the rough draft of sound of bells and i lost that window to trying to recover from gallbladder surgery and then and i think i actually i think i did get a tremor what it was i think it was at chapter 13 and i got two done after that like i successfully got back from gallbladder surgery and got two chapters out and then hit the wall of uh, all my film and tv commitments and since that time like it's been writing i mean last night like I, I'm, I'm very driven by, um, a Sabbath rhythm. So I will always stop working Saturday at six o'clock and start working. If I start working again, Sunday at six o'clock, if I need, if I really need to, but I'll always like break for 24 hours, but sometimes it feels like, am I really like, did I really take a break? I mean, last night I sent off something that was due, uh, to a studio in London. I knew they had to have it. Uh, Monday morning and fun. You know, it's like I, and by last night, I mean at four 35 this morning, you know, it's like, and that's, so I took my 24 hours with my kids and we hung out, we played cornhole and I, you know, it's like, we watched mm -hmm. some things and, you know, uh, we watched Tom Cruise's, uh, the new Top Gun incidentally, which I could talk about also. We should do um, but we watched Top Gun and then, Everybody like, Hey, we hit dinner and they start doing homework and I drove off to my office and I worked until four 30 in the morning. So I put in, you know, like a nine hour, uh, by the time I got there, uh, and actually was at my desk, uh, and settled in like a, a nine hour shift last night. And then, nice. you know, took a nap this morning and got up and hit it. Cause it's like, cause soul, food. cause soul food's coming. <laughs> soul and so food's it's coming. like, you're going, you're going, you're going. I think it's really funny is. And then every like every week I'll receive 
just scolds from readers who are who are scolding me about silent bells. And I'm just like, you know what? The thing is, I invited you into my kitchen. This welcome. You to don't my, like what you found there. Welcome <laughs> to my kitchen. You are. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that you don't like what you have found, which is that occasionally <laughs> the KitchenAid explodes. And in this metaphor, the KitchenAid is my gallbladder. <laughs> and it puts me way behind. Uh, as I said, metaphor, it the puts last me, yeah, recourse. <laughs> it, pu- it puts me way behind. The, uh, the restructure I'm pursuing right now to try to cope with the amount of writing I'm doing, I'm doing more writing right now than I've ever done in my life. And I've done wow. a lot. Okay, so yeah, this is this your Tuesday through Thursday silent time? Yeah. And it's it's starting to look like it's going to be like Tuesday through Friday, where it's like I just put my uh, you know seal my phone in a bag and no email, no phone. I've got an emergency number only, and and that's it. I'm just I'm just gone. Uh, that I hope I'll catch up on all the projects I have going, and then be able to make forward progress and get Silent Bells to the end of the line. Silent Bells will be finished, but I'm really, I'm really grateful, A, that we did it the way we did it. And I didn't like kickstart it or something because people were telling me to kickstart it. And I went with this, like, you don't pay for any chapter until you get it. And I'm really grateful because if I had taken everybody's money for the whole project and then I'm like taken out and then I'm behind, um, it'd be horrendous. You know, so instead everybody's paid through 15. Nobody's been charged for 16. They won't be charged for chapter 16 until 16 comes out. Um, and I can tell you, any listener, that no one's more committed to getting this finished than I am or my family members are. So, <laughs> like, you might think that you feel urgent, but uh, you do not. You don't know what urgency is. But so I, I bet on me. I bet all that to say I bet that my novel will be finished before my, before my daughter's. Okay, wow. Well, um, you heard it here. Yeah. And then, of course, bear in mind that it's a rough draft. And so then I'd have to do right. multiple drafts of revisions before it was ever published as a, as a final draft. Um, so, yeah. But I'm really grateful for the model because when I got knocked off the rails and got put way behind and my window closed, uh, I hadn't taken anybody's money yet for chapters I hadn't received. So I am, I am trying to recreate my schedule such that these chapters can be completed. I have a dock of chapter 16 open and staring at me and i'm constantly in it you know it's like but i have all the threads i've got the thread map from the previous 15 chapters and to get up to full speed like to re-engage and get up to full speed in fiction writing with all of it is is uh it's difficult it takes a it takes a minute especially i can't just well i mean i can't just jump in and write or else it'd be a really terrible chapter and everybody would be saying, you're contradicting chapter four. You've just contradicted yourself in chapter yeah. eight. And even though it's a rough draft, I have no desire to do that. Um, it is a rough draft. Everybody knows it's a rough draft, but I still don't want to bring thousands of fans into overt contradictions, um, at least at least where avoidable. So anyway, yeah. that's, that's the Silent Bells answer. Someday it'll be finished, uh, hopefully, while I'm still on this earth. Yeah. The real question is, will my daughter have to finish it for me when I am gone? <laughs> that is the real question. Now. I hope. I hope not. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, okay. We should. I was going to ask you. People enjoyed your rhetoric, uh, quick course. And oh, nice. Who are you? Who are they? And I thought we should jump into the role of emotion and persuasion. But then I don't know. I don't think we have time for it. Oh, I we think te- we need, do. We, should we tease it? Uh, maybe tease it, or just do Top Gun. 
because we could talk that one too. Okay, let's let's in future we'll talk about um what the nature of proof is. How yeah, about that? That's a great and why one. we'll talk next. Let's do should we say that for episode 90 or do it next next week? We'll see if we get a good one for next week, but it might be yeah. next week. Well, we should talk about what is proof, what is the nature of proof? Because that just what is what does it mean to prove something to somebody? Yeah. Because to answer that question is to answer the question of why art like why narrative and art is, is actually episode. valuable and compelling. And this is one um, that makes people mad. I love, I, I, oh, I infuriates love it. people, but this especially is one of theories that blows people's hair back pretty good. So yeah, well, I, it's not a theory, Brian. It's, it's, I haven't seen the proof yet. It's truth. It's truth. <laughs> what is the um, nature of proof? <laughs> yeah. So the nature of proof, what, it, what is, what does it mean to prove something? And that reveals a lot of rationalism in people, a lot of like post enlightenment, uh, modernism. And, to really talk through it and really understand it uh, at, a, at a deep level suddenly opens the gates and you understand why narrative is so important, why art, is, why music, why, why beauty is so essential. Yeah. Um, yeah. And part of that, why rightly ordered emotion, you know, is, is so essential, uh, which is to say, why did God make the world the way he did? Um, so that's, that's a, that is a big no, one. And we'll save we it for its own it for, episode. We should save it for night. But that one, the we'll what does it mean to prove something we'll say top gun we'll finish that this is we're doing kind of a buffet here we're doing a little a la carte we had some questions we had some we had some uh well andrew heckling yep do we know andrew where's andrew from uh i don't know andrew he's one of your young readers from our dear he friend sent, andrew. he sent actually a lot of questions i was impressed actually i've i've been hit with a number of others um also especially for book recommends and i'm just gonna say so i so I did the book recommend thing. I'll say, uh, Stephen Lawhead. <laughs> there you go. Read you some Stephen Lawhead. Um, that was big for me. There's a few. There's very few Christian writers who actually hit me when I was 12. Yeah, and hit me in a way and and on the way up. Other than the Inklings. So outside of the Ingl- outside the Inklings, like Christian writers who hit me in the imagination effectively. Uh, Stephen Lawhead was yeah, one I, of them in I, the Hall of the yeah. Dragon King and Warlords of Nin and that that series specifically. He's written a ton of other stuff and there's other good things. So this is not to slight. Oh, did you? Re- so you read his fantasy? I was thinking his historical fiction. Like yeah, his, fantasy. Okay. You think like Byzantium? Yeah, or, I read the Byzantium yeah. ones, his rude, yep. the holy rude ones. Yep, and those were... Those are cool, but they were, they grabbed me less. The, his fantasy, yeah. when I was, you know, fifth, sixth grade, and then all the way through junior high, uh, his In the Hall of the Dragon King, Warlords of Nin series gotcha. uh, was, was big for me. So I'll just say recommended there. And he did, I had, I had he a number did that of kids, Robin Hood series too, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, I had a number of kids ask me for recommendations and Lawhead. There you so go. read you some Lawhead. Um, Check. As far as Top Gun goes, um, I started watching some Cobra Kai. Okay, the show. Yep. And I started watching, uh, and Cobra Kai to me was a gimmick. And then it starts getting Emmys and is still around and in season five. And people are still talking about it in the industry and talking about emulating it and yada, yada. And, and Yeah, and I was never and, interested in watching it. No, neither was I. And so I was like, okay, fine. Because it's so just I about di- the bad guy from... So I dipped my toe in the early seasons. I don't know the show. I just know the early the early season. Um, and desperately needs VidAngel when it is on VidAngel. So that's fine. 
Um, it it needs to. Isn't fill- it just eighties trivia nonstop? No, no. Okay, that, that's, that's Stranger Things. <laughs> yeah, that was my expectation, but it was not. Okay. Um, so did my toe in Cobra Kai, and then we watched Top Gun Maverick, which I'd missed in in theaters. Um, but some of my kids had seen, and there are thematic overlaps to why it was successful. And I'd heard a lot of things uh, about both that were totally unrelated to what I think is is actually kind of core to what made it sticky. And I and I also had heard a lot of demeaning things, including from you, Brian, about the Top Gun movie. Uh oh. I mean, I did demean it a little. You were demeaning. You were you were demeaning, and I actually maybe that's good because I went into it with like a really really low, really low bar, and I was sitting there thinking, I watched it in theaters. This is significantly better than I was expecting. <laughs> okay. I mean, significantly. So. Okay. Tell me. Tell me why the. Um, now it is. This is not to say that it's not popcorn. Obviously, right. It's. The the corn has been popped. Right. <laughs> but this is this is popcorn, heavy popcorn. But it really surprised me how much they leaned into his age and his dinosaurness, right? Yeah. And they just went with that. And I was like, oh, perfect. I'm so glad that they're not trying to youth him up. Yeah, they're not trying to pawn Tom Cruise off on us as young and spry. And also the things that made him so likable and he's gonna succeed are actually what doomed his career. And so you have like he yeah. is himself and he is in a dead end in a cul-de-sac because of the exact choices that made him the hero so of cool. an 80s movie. Yeah. Um, you know, so. Inability to ever listen to someone else. Yeah. Like constant, the, he just constant rule breaking, constant, yeah. constant, constant. Now, suddenly we have a, a show where we need a rule breaker again. So it's like, okay, we got to bring him in. Great. We're going to get <laughs> dust off the old rule breaker. But. <laughs> Give him your cruise. Yeah. <laughs> But they show us at the outset, he's still a screw up. Yeah. Like he's a screw up in the exact same way. And, but, you know, we like that he goes, he goes for it, but he's a screw up. Mm. Uh, and then he's this dinosaur. And then when he comes in and things really interesting in a very kind of, I mean, I won't say understated, I'll say understated for a pop commercial film. It's, it's loud, but it's understated for a pop commercial film. In an understated way, they set up this intense generational conflict between him and the his- absolute wussy navy of today and the way things used to be. And it's like, oh, it's nobody all over again. Okay. Here he comes. It's like, it's a bunch of snowflake pilots. Here's all the snowflake, and they got all their ego and they're all, all the things. And there's the token chick, and mm-hmm. she's trying to be a boy. And Huh. And he comes in and you know immediately like, oh, she's going to make all the cuts and they're never going to say anything judgmental of her at any point. <laughs> um, she's yes, just, she's yes. going to be, she's going to be present, but there will be no criticism. They won't Everybody be. else is going to get razzed or heckled or whatever. Yeah. The insane numbers of push-ups somehow she will pull off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just whatever. <laughs> just no comment. Yeah. Um, but it, like the third, the, the starting point is this old dog just schools all these young punks, you know, nothing and they're weak. They're all we are all weak <laughs> and you've all been made weak by tech. It's like, it's okay. none of you, yeah. none of you know what is like, what it actually is to put it on the line. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you see that in the officers who are refusing to engage where it's like, Oh, we're, he- we're actually here to fight, but it's like, Oh no, that would involve fighting. So we can't, we can't do that. Pull, 
pull them back. And you see that in the Texas school shooting, that horrible tragedy where it's like cops, cops held back because they would get shot at. It's like, wow, that makes it real. Where it's like, yeah, like that's your job to go in there and get shot. Yeah. Like go get shot. And the big culmination for, uh, for Cruz's character is his opportunity to lay his life down for his friend's kid. Mm-hmm. When he actually throws himself in the way of a missile, when he, he does one of his little trick moves just to get hit um, and eject, and the arrival of his uh, dead buddy's son's character is when he takes the risk to defy orders to come back and do the same exact thing mm-hmm. for Cruz, where he's now the young blood who comes in and you know yeah. takes out the chopper, saves Cruz's life, gets hit with a Sam, and has to eject himself. Where, like, he's taking high, high risks. They're both sacrificing themselves. And, like, he's finally, like, Rooster, this kid, is now like Maverick. He's become this father-son dynamic. And so when Maverick's mad at him and he's been trying to keep him safe and he hits him, what are you thinking? You're an idiot. And he says, you told me not to think, which is basically Maverick's trademark. Yeah. And it's like, okay, now they have this, (laughs) like... (laughs) You are, you are now the, you know, you're yeah. now the, the adoptive son in the yeah. situation successfully. But either way, the, the point is the undercurrent of generational weakness and like mm-hmm. judgment that comes, uh, you know, just like the, uh, the narrative judgmentalness on the, the younger snowflakes and they all have to man up, you know, they all have to level up to an older times level. Yeah. Uh, but then they don't have to because he just does it. No, they do. They still have to improve. I guess. Rooster no, they still they level up, but they still could never even level up to his level. Even doing so, they don't. Ah, so it's a know, tragedy. It's like, <laughs> yeah. No, they get closer. Like <laughs> you know, it's like, but that's when he proves to them that they could do it by doing the course at two fifteen, and they've been yeah. failing to do it at two thirty. Yeah. It's like no, they they all go harder and faster and better than they ever could have before, which is still not at his level. Mm-hmm. so like yeah they do the the gimmicky thing of him doing it at the end it's like i you know it needed to be that way honestly right. for the movie to be fun well yeah that's 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 where the corn was bought that's where it was the corn, <laughs> that's where yeah. the corn was the most buttery well, for sure well also the fact that nobody like in the first maverick when goose dies that's like a real moment and yeah they didn't want to go there in this one right so when that kid's falling out of the sky he faints and falls out of the sky but doesn't die in the first movie, I think they would have been willing to have one of them. It didn't yeah, but, feel like yeah, it was but on the so line. The, the thing is that he's haunted by the death, so that's still present. And he's still present. He's like he's really heavily haunted by this death. Yeah, and if you add another one, no, it's just like, it's he, a di- it's a diffusion. Almost, yeah, so it's actually a diffusion of grief and a di- and actually will mm. like wishbone his tensions, his personal tensions. So. Okay. So you, you think know, it wouldn't? It would, it's not uh, to say nobody could have died, but I think I understand why they didn't. Because that actually is more. Con- I mean, he then has responsibility. There's so a more like concentrated a- focus. Like it keeps his grief more concentrated and his guilt more concentrated mm-hmm. uh, in in one place, as opposed to uh, suddenly he has guilt all over the you know all. So over you're the place. saying he already has that father because he he would obviously have major father grief if one of the pilots died. Yep, and he already has that because Rooster's dad. So and he's he already, already yeah he already has, has father this, grief yep mm-hmm. and he already has this stressor okay going with rooster so i think it, it would have been weird if if they'd had one of them die in training 
Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, I think that would have been difficult. It was funny to me. Yeah. That, yeah, it's popcorn and yay, military, yeah. yay, America, yay, blowing up a nuclear site. And we're just doing a very binary. Yeah. They're bad guys. We're going to blow it up. We're not going to double cross congressmen. There's no twisting and turning and, yeah, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's just bad guys. How do we do the mission? Train for the mission. Get the mission done. The mission's impossible. Mission impossible. <laughs> We're going to get it done. Um, the let's mo- the let's most- go. The, but yeah, it's popcorn. But at the same time, the crackle, the generational crackle. Is real. Is real. And I did feel that. It, it is interesting to fast forward 20 years into Maverick's career and st- you know he'd be like that. You'd, yeah, that kind of person would be. Yep. And then of course the, the the other thing is like they even gave a they gave a hat tip to the stupid beach volleyball scene from the first Top Gun. Well, movie. I was going to say that's the most unbelievable part. The that they would stop keeping score in a football game. Well, if you're doing <laughs> dogfight, if you're doing dog dogfight football, they're made up football <laughs> game. Sure, I get it. But the thing is, like, it's a weird hat tip to the beach, like the beach scene in the first Top Gun, right? While not doing what Tony Scott did, where Tony Scott uh said i mean this is this is one of the things uh, that you you just learn about stuff but tony scott said he didn't know how to market this film to women and so he proved that he really didn't know by saying he just shot that scene inserted that volleyball scene and shot it like a gay porn and that his goal was to shoot it like a gay porno like the yeah and it's like but it's sort of like these guys and it's all very homoerotic and that Mm. was his that was his directorial goal yikes for the first top gun for the volleyball scene yeah so now what the heck tony but everybody knows that anybody who's seen that's been like what on earth why what all these what does this have to do with the story at all yeah what is this you know what does this do they did a beach scene they inserted a beach scene and actually did a better job of tying it to the plot and the the goal of what he's doing just like and, they work together and right? didn't yeah it's just like we're here to mess around and have and teamwork they, and didn't make it homoerotic didn't in, eroticize at anybody. all <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i do think they'd keep score right these are pilots the they lost competitive they lost track. <laughs> the most competitive people in the world uh, yeah, and they I, don't keep I, score. I will, i'll give you that brian i'll give <laughs> i'll give you that Okay. But it's uh there were times when the ref was catching the ball and getting tackled. So I think it was it was pretty free form. It was a little bit Montessori out there. <laughs> oh wow. But it's uh <laughs> but yeah, you're you're probably right. But that and then you you jump over to Cobra Kai and I was like, okay, so in concept, this is funny. That you take the villain from the famous movie, A, you get the actors back. Like you oh, successfully yeah, you successfully got the leads. Wow. Uh, back. And then you make him the solo sensei of the super sympathetic bullied kid. And you make the good guy from the franchise, like the super earnest guy losing track of his children and like not doing a good job as a dad and struggling. So he's got all this struggle. And you have this anti hero, obviously, down and out, hard drinking guy who's been a loser ever since, like ever since that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and been on this bad track, he's finally going to pick himself back up and he becomes uh, the sensei for this solo kid. And then hilariously, immediately starts going off in this very 80s way. And as the kid saying, you're really genderizing everything. <laughs> and again, the guy just ripping on that completely and, okay. and, and leaning into that mocking the snowflakeness and telling him to be a man and stop punching like a girl and just go and and it's like, okay, why did this work? Why did this immediately stick? It's not all the Karate Kid fans. 
it's that it's part of it's that but that was even this was not made for and targeted to people who loved karate kid yeah it didn't feel derivative like it's that. like it's it's, a, it's yeah it's yeah it's connected to it but it actually pulled in a completely different kind of viewer in a different demo and the the weird subversiveness here and like i said badly needs bit angel um and i've only watched a couple episodes of the first season but just even watching that i was like oh man i know why i know why this stuck like they, the way they flipped the heroes very creatively the way there's an anti-hero with the sympathetic kid like the super mm. good sympathetic kid and he's he's you know, on this path to redemption and struggling. And then there's the guy who has been the, the, the winner ever since, you know, it's like all the, all the way, all the way down, who's really struggling and failing as a parent and they're both failing as parents. And there's, you know, there's, hmm. it's, it's, there's a lot more going on okay. and there's, and there's also people learning how to sneakily mock culture. Gotcha. And you think that harmonizes on the broader level. So immediately as you jump yeah. into it, you feel there's something here I identify with. Yeah. When a principal stands up and, and tells a cafeteria full of high school kids, like, you know, to, we, we want to give you a warning about not being uh, insensitive this Halloween. And, you know, instead of being a, a nurse, why not go as a non-gender hospital worker? Mm. And like, they play it for laughs. Like they're, they're actually kind of they're they're trying to show people a little bit of what now looks like from 1980s eyes and it's kind of i mean that that flip that's is, an interesting yeah like that flip is funny where it's just like look at the wusses <laughs> like it just like the yeah. like there's just and there's all the same dirt baggery and and lots right. of other things but anyway i think that resonated a lot and looking at that in Top Gun and the success of them looking at Cobra Kai and same thing that I, we've talked about with nobody and remember what we yeah. used to be. Uh, there's this clear yearning for masculinity and, and toughness while also trying to find escape routes to, to have it be kosher somehow. Yeah. Like how do, how do we make it work with our current virtue framework uh, in pop culture? What's the answer? How do they, or I guess, do they try it? Do they answer it in the first? Okay. You know, inconsistency and cheating, yeah. but it's, so it's not coherent. And I'm yeah. not, I'm not, I mean, like I said, there's yeah. seasons of this and I've only seen a couple episodes, Yeah, but it doesn't surprise me that it just grabbed. Gotcha. That Cobra Kai grabbed and went because it is the, it's back to the future. It's playing the contrasting time frames, like a time warp of like a guy from one time lost in this time and how much it's changed and trying to bring back he's trying to bring back this toughness that was there uh for this neighbor kid in his apartment complex and the resistance he's meeting from like the health code worker from the city to you know every step of the, to genderizing to everything else yeah. like just the resistance of two times like so it's it really does set up this friction between the two that i think is super interesting Nice. Yeah. The po those postmodern authors, as much as I hate what they do and it's applied to culture, they're very creative when you can flip a binary that makes a story very interesting. So the fact that they're flipping the good and the bad and playing with. And it, it could absolutely go off the rails. Yeah. You know, it's like, but it's, I'm going to watch a couple more. I'm definitely going to, you know, chip away at it. Um, you know, keep kind of scanning the filters and yeah. hope the video interface continues to work. 
there you go. So I mean, there's enough there's enough saltiness in there that it's like mm, too bad. Gotcha. Um, so, but anyway, there we go. We kind of we ran a little buffet there. Yeah. Cobra Kai, Top Gun, Stephen Lawhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My excuses around Silent Bells. Yeah. Yep. A few metaphors <laughs> and and so a metaphor or two. And this has been Sasp. Enjoy, everybody. We do. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Stories or Soul Food. You guys, you SASF listeners are the reason that we lace them up every day. So I wanted to let you guys know about a cool opportunity we have. It is the opportunity to gift Canon Plus to somebody. I had someone email me and tell me gift is not a verb, but I checked. It is a verb. So here's how you gift Canon Plus to someone who either needs it or wants it. Maybe they could even be the same. Go to your profile at mycanonplus.com. That's on the web, not the mobile version. Click on your profile and then select gift a subscription. Choose whether you want to gift one month or one year of Canon Plus. Enter your name and the person's name and when you want it delivered and that's it. Ta-da. You've just foisted Canon Plus, stories or soul food, I don't know, the kids section, whatever you listen to the most. You've given that to somebody. My family, we're always turning on Canon Plus on road trips and listening to the kids section. I've listened to a few theological books that I've been meaning to get through and never had the chance. So yeah, that's your opportunity. Go gift Canon Plus to somebody today.